do you want me to lead up to the part where I attempted to murder my father? Okay, yo. Just... <laughs> or do you want the, like, how it got there? I, that's where I put in, like, the creepy music. Like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. I murdered my father. <laughs> I'll be right back after this break. <laughs> I'm Nikki Bond, and my absentee rock and roll dad is taking a break from doing the podcast with me. So now I'm chatting with people whose parents screwed them up. Okay, guys, today we have a hilarious comedian. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're a funny little guy. Thank you. I don't mean like you're yeah, sad, I, but I, I call everybody a little I guy. Get, I just want to let's take it back. I'm okay. Most people don't realize, like, I'm actually happy with being smaller. Cool. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know why cute feels good to me. Yeah, cute's kind of nice. Cute's yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, cute, like, is like... You can introduce me to your girlfriends and be like, oh, he's he's cute. He's cute. And then it's the qualities that I have where they're like, oh, he's hot. Oh. You know? So I know that I'm always going to be good looking in any situation because I'm cute. But then I become hot because of the things that I bring to the table. All right. So well, I'm not so worried about being small. I like being small. However, your parents fucked you up, didn't fuck you up that much because that <laughs> confidence is next. I could learn a thing or two about that confidence right there. Jeez. Okay, so Rob, yes. let's start at this. So guys, I sometimes like know people's stories a little bit and then I'll bring them on the podcast knowing their story, but I actually don't know Rob's. And mm-hmm. and we were at the comedy store and I was like, did your parents fuck you up? And you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, sick, want to come on my podcast? <laughs> so, w- okay. First question. Yeah. Tell us where you're from. Okay. Uh, so I'm from Baltimore. Uh-huh. Uh, my family would love me to say D.C., but okay. I was born in Baltimore and then I grew up in Baltimore. Okay, cool. And do you want to give your disclaimer? Because I thought that it was very nice. Yes. The disclaimer that you gave me when you got here. I want you and your listeners to understand that I am okay. That the things that I'm about to say to you. Oh, it's going to get good. Though. Um. <laughs> I would not have changed it for the world because it made me exactly who I am today. Okay. And that took therapy that took like really being on my own to figure out like, oh, this all prepared me for where I'm at right now. All right. So Okay, that is that's, that's important. That means something's about to happen. Okay. <laughs> my first question is, mm-hmm. are your parents still together? No, they are not. And was it both of them that fucked you up? Yes. Okay, amazing. Now, when did they break up? Um, I will say several times. Oh, shit. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I have siblings. Okay. I got a brother and a sister. Um, I'm the oldest. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And who, uh, give us the lowdown from day one, the storyline, like, who, was it your mom and dad that both fucked you up? This is the quick way to explain this. Is well, you that, don't have to be so quick. Like, well, I do like a 40-minute I guess, episode. yeah, all right. <laughs> the overlay is uh, my, I've, I've had three set, three parents in my lifetime. Um, I have my father, I have my birth mother, and then I have the woman that he married that ended up adopting me. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's okay. a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of layers to wow. it. Wow. Okay. Um, so my dad met this woman uh, named uh, Roberta Joanne Yearwood. She is from Trinidad. Oh, um, baby, with that sick, sick accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh-hoo. Okay. Um, and then, you know, uh, 
they were young, very young when they had me. They split up, and that, quite frankly, is the normal part of the story. <laughs> and then my father was working next door to a blockbuster, and he was a manager of a Radio Shack. And he met this woman named Rhonda Parker, who he ended up having relations with. Okay. And she ended up getting pregnant with my brother. They moved in. Oh, damn. They got married. She's white. So now there's like this now new layer of he has a kid. They have a kid together. And now she has to learn or try to learn how to have a black son. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. So um, the gist of my father is that he is... Let me say this. None of my parents, after like years of therapy and books and being around like actual healthy families, none of my parents should have had kids. Like okay. it, every, And I, I said this to my brother and sister. All three of us were mistakes, like yeah. monumental mistakes that like shifted their their structure, what their life should have been. OK. Um, they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And I know I understand like most parents are never ready to have a kid, but. You normally have like a sound relationship. Yeah. You're you're normally financially uh, in a place that you can um, maintain or start a family or have like a career go- growth. Um, and none of those things were in place for those those individuals. Okay. My birth mother is I'm first generation Trinidadian, so she moved here from Trinidad, um, but her parents were like were well off. Really? Yeah. So they came here and they were like, you know, those immigrants that like have like outrageous stories about how they move here. And now they make hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're they're happy and they buy a home and then they raise their kids and then their kids are able to fuck off and fuck up. Yes. That's what my mother was. So she came from that. And then I was the product of that fuck up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. (laughs) You were a rich girl's sloppiness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was able to like, you know? Yeah, just Um, do what she wants with her money. And and give give me, essentially, uh, give me to my father. She, I mean, she'll say that she went to court, but you read the like documents. This woman was not like mother material. Yeah. Uh, Key beats. Yeah, Um, I was like, give me those. She... She was arrested for shoplifting with me so on my Winona, birthday. Wow. Yeah. Winona Ryder of her. Right. Um, wow. Was on actually your birthday. On How, my birthday. What, what number birthday? I was, this was either my fourth or fifth birthday. She was oh shoplifting. The clerk grabbed her. I freaked out. I bit the clerk. No. So he called the, the cops. They arrested her. My father came and picked me up in a limo with his now white wife. And it was this cool in a limo. In a limo, this was this cool experience <laughs> that I thought, like, oh, they got a. I just got in this trouble, and they got a limo for me on my birthday because yeah. it's Valentine's Day. Yeah, this is so special. No, that limo was just to pick me up and take me to DC to drop me off at my grandmother's. No, for I would say it felt like a month. Like whatever a month is to a kid that's four or five, that's what it felt like. Whoa. Why did they get you a limo to do that? That limo was for them and their date. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I, I ruined, fuck I ruined you. the date by getting in trouble. Um, you didn't even get, but you bit, you thought someone was attacking your mom. Okay, keep going. So, Sorry. Um, that is, that's the basis of like what my childhood would end up being. 
Um, so then, you know, their, their lives move on. They, they moved in together. They moved me in once he got custody of me. Later, I found out he didn't want custody of me in an oh argument God. with my adopted mom. Wild. Um, wow, that's so mean. Yeah. Uh, so then... Uh, Do you want a tissue? Oh, no. no <laughs> just <good>. just <laughs> He's like, this is why I said I'm fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then, you know, my, my brother's born. They have me, and then they get pregnant with my sister. So now we're living in this two-bedroom apartment in Reisterstown, Maryland. Shout out to Reisterstown. What up, Reisterstown? And there's three of us living in this bedroom. It's we're on me and my brother are on bunk bed. My brother and I are on bunk beds, and my sister is on like this little uh, princess jasmine pink bed. Oh, um, I loved it. I mean, as far as 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 cramped as we were, yeah, I loved it because we were all very close. Yeah, you're a nice tight. We all family. very close. Yeah. Um, it's cozy. Very cozy. Yeah. And then uh, my father had an opportunity to get promoted as like a district manager for a job or whatever. Um, and then he started making a little bit more money. We bought a house. We moved out to Carroll County, which is for those people that don't know this, I, I keep forgetting you're from Canada. So yeah, I don't know what that Baltimore, is. it goes, Baltimore is like the city. And then outside of that is the County. And then from the County, you go into like rural areas. Okay. So you know about the Mason Dixon line? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Hampstead and Manchester and all that is like literally a mile below the mason dixon line okay in your mind what you've heard about the mason dixon line you would think that's a very like uh it's a royal area but it's also like a you would think that it's it's not as um short-sighted as it was very white very racist kkk still thrives there yeah let's put it that way okay okay my father was a a very um there's there's a type of black person that like puts like whiteness on a pedestal. Okay. And then I was talking last night to somebody about this, but like interesting. That comes from he grew up in DC and he grew up in DC at a time where like you didn't see anything but black people. Okay. White people were on this side of town, black people were on this side of town, and it was literally chocolate city. That's what DC used to be. Okay. So you go around and like all you are is seeing other black people and other black women. And then you grow up and you get a little good looking start to get a little money get your first car you start driving around with your friends and you're partying and you bump into white women Mm. and then some white woman tells you like oh you're really handsome or you're Mm. cute and now you're like oh i'm better than this and that's how it shifts right then you turn into carlton exactly okay so following he took that and he met this white woman and now he was part of this new society where he was shunning his blackness and perpetuating more whiteness, right? Um, And that was in how he dressed, who he associated with, um, the things he talked about, how he wanted to raise his kids, i.e. me. All right. Right? Yeah. So um, you take all of that and he's... You know, making sure that I'm in the the right schools, or I'm I don't wear my hair a certain way, or I don't wear my clothes a certain way. Oh, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he's like, don't be black. Exactly. Whoa. Um, <clears throat> and your mom isn't around this whole time. No, my mom is not around. Okay. I'm being raised by Rhonda. Okay. Um, and at the time, do you like Rhonda? When I was a kid, like a kid, kid. 
I loved her. Okay. Like I adored her. Yeah. And then as I started to get older, there were certain things that were starting to take place. And I guess giving you the overall landscape of how we ended up to the attempted murder, this is what plays the part in it. Um, Rhonda was an addict. Mm. What was she addicted to? The typical white stuff, pills. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, Oxy. Like, like be a bit more ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she would, uh, you know, she she'd have her flare ups. Mm-hmm. She would have moments where if she was out of what she was taking, you would see the switch, right? This is the ther- part, the therapy part that I had to like learn, you know, because yeah. you, when you grow up with an addict, you, um, <clears throat> you tend to want to be a people pleaser. You, um, your, your happiness comes last and everything yeah. in your relationships, friendships or whatever. You are quiet, you're reserved, but you are very loving. Yes. Right? Because when you're dealing with an addict, there's several things that happen. When they don't have their fix, it's not necessarily about your well-being. It's about you being in the way. Mm, That's problem number one. Wow. Okay. Right? Okay. So when you're a mom, your kids are in the way because you're an addict. Okay. You're not a mom because you wanted to be a mom. You're a mom because it was a mistake and it happened and... Now you're living with it and you're like, well, I have to do this or they're going to call social services on me. I get right? it. Okay. So every decision she made, every conversation she had with us was based through that or rooted through that. Right. Yes. Yeah. So and ag- kind of like like a kid at school that's only working hard to get straight A's so they can get the bike that their parents is offering. Exactly. Them. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's like that. It was like, uh, I think it was like Chris Rock that made the joke of, you know, dads that are out there that say, like, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to. Yes, 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 yes. In a weird way, what she was, was I'm taking care of my kids. And it's like, that's your your job. job. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, So, yeah, she had a lot of addict behavior, which (laughs) if you're asking me directly how that fucked me up, it's my relationships with people, my relationships with women, most of all, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you had my birth mom that like didn't really want anything to do yes. with me. And then yeah. you had like my replacement mom that was an addict that oh was, God. you get what I'm saying? So yeah. it just all kind of piled on. Yeah. So I had to like, I had to learn, and I learned this recently. This isn't like something I picked up like six years ago. I I learned this maybe a year ago, two years ago, what my relationships were and why they were that way. I was with women that like hated me. Like, like yeah didn't feel good all the time and i felt like if i was struggling or if like i wasn't happy in my relationship then oh i was in love that's love yes right yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because you're still attaining them exactly yeah, so when someone like would say like oh you don't meet my needs or so i would like take that and be like oh what else can i do yeah it's like well you're gonna have to stop going out and doing comedy you're gonna oh, have to stop you get what i'm saying yeah so yeah. that is what comes from dealing with like an addict because like their um wants and desires aren't discerned from what needs are right what you need is water food and shelter and clothes right what you want is space and time and uh the ability to say whatever you want without consequences yeah all of those shifted into needs so if she said something that was mean i had to accept it yeah. And it was like, well, if I don't want her to say something mean, then I have to keep my mouth shut. Yes. You get yes, what I'm saying? Yes, so yes, it, yes, yes. That's 
in the realms of like what fucked me up that was that's the you big never got to speak your your thoughts your voice no. like anything you had so, to yes live in her world and exactly be quiet. so and then when you have you know in black families you don't talk about what's going inside the home you mm. don't you keep your mouth shut until spoken to um so all those things played a, a really big part so you had like kind of like the perfect concoction of what statistics say would be a serial killer oh so that was so after the very first split between my parents which was very temporary my father choked her and the cops got called he went to uh it's not jail but a holding tank okay. and then he was gone for a month and he was actually staying with her family um, and they were like, take him to the church. It was a whole rehabilitation thing. It's weird. Okay. And how old were you? I was 13. The first time. This Ooh, happened. that's a fucking rough age. Yes, that's a, I was in middle school. I remember. It's the worst age. I remember when it happened. Cause when the cops get called and they have kids inside the home inside Maryland, I don't know if this is anywhere else. Um, all of that information goes to the school okay. because they need, now they're starting to monitor like how the kids are behaving yeah. and then they, that's how like CPS gets involved. Yeah. Um, so I had to start going to in school counseling. Oh man, which is so embarrassing. I bet it's embarrassing, yeah. but no one knows what it is. Oh, right. Okay, like okay. I, it was like they, how they set it up is, um, You'd have class, 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 and then you'd have this break, but no one knows what your class schedule is. Mm -hmm. No one's going to be like, well, why weren't you in this class? It's just school. Yeah. So to me, okay. how they, and it's very smart. To me, it was just like another course, but it was just one-on-one -on -one with someone. Yes. Okay. Right? I see. Yeah. And my, before we move on, mm -hmm. were you there when he choked her? Mm -hmm. And who called the cops? It was her. Okay. It was her. Were you scared when it was happening or were you like, get that bitch? I'm, I, I it was that. one of those things of like, that was my first round of, of um, violence with inside the home. Okay. As far as like her, between them. Yeah. I was getting beat all the time. You were. Oh, oh. I guess I skipped over the important yeah, parts. Yeah, like, come on. So you have a mom that's an addict and then you have a father that's abusive. Um, I have a scar on the back of my neck. You can feel free to feel if you like. Um, that's from a, a belt buckle. Whoa. I got in trouble in school. And I'll never forget this. I got in trouble for school. How old? I was, I think this was 11 or 12. 11 or 12 is when the beating started. Okay. Um, and I can't remember if I was like, talking or something it was something minor mm -hmm. and uh he comes home he slides open the back patio door doesn't talk to anybody goes in the back he's like my father used to like have to work himself up to beat me fuck off so he's back there like oh pumping God. himself up no and then he comes out with this belt in his hand he's like i heard you had a lot to say in school today about talking or whatever. And I was like, I was just talking to my friends and he pulls me out of the chair and he is going to town. And this was the first time I've gotten beaten before, but this was the first time that I was like, Oh, this is something extra is happening. Yeah. Here. Yeah. 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 Because she, my mother grabbed him and she was like, this is like, I, I can't sit here for yes. this. This is enough. You have to stop. 
and uh, I had like welts on my back, but I remember just feeling my neck and like there was like blood on my neck and I had a, a scrape or whatever. And I remember that night, like laying in my bed, like having this was, I used to lay on my back as a kid. And I remember having to lay on my side oh my that night and uh, waking up and there was like a stain on the pillow. Um, wore a turtleneck oh, that day, God. the next day to school. It was very quiet for the next, yeah. I want to say a couple of months in school. Wow. So then there was like, cause a, you're like, I don't ever want that to happen yeah. again. So then they started, they put me in uh they went to put me in like, um, I don't, I, I guess it's called special education courses. Yeah. Cause I was quiet. Yeah. I didn't interact. I didn't read. I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not moving. I'm, I'm a statue. Moving. I don't want to do anything. Exactly. Wrong. Yeah. Cause that's all I could think about. Yeah. Art was my only outlet. That was just something that I was always good at. Mm -hmm. So that was the only time that I was like active in, in doing things in school. Um, and then later on I started playing sports and that goes into a whole nother thing. Okay. Um, so yeah. Did he, when, when that happened later mm -hmm. on, did he apologize or did, was he just like cold to you or how, what was the transition? So how situations like that would happen, that would happen. Uh -huh. And then it would just. You like eat your peas. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that was when you were 12, that was 11, 12. Mm -hmm. And then now. 13 is where now you see him choke her. Yes. Okay. And, and uh, I guess that's 14 because 13 is when I got beat on the football field and By the coach. Uh. Oh my God. So the next big beating, the next big one that like someone else had to intervene. Whoa. I was playing 11, 13 football, um, middle school, eighth grade. I was the, like I was big as a kid, like, uh, for my age, mm -hmm. Amongst other kids, I was like the tallest. I was more fit. Like it was, you know. You're a football. I was a football a, kid. Yeah. And um, there was like other fathers out there, other black fathers that would like kind of like pick on my dad about like how my jersey was always clean or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was more of an offensive kid than I was a defensive kid mm -hmm. until this day. Um, <clears throat> I was we do these things called Oklahoma's. So it's basically when you take one kid, you put a ball in their hand, you put the other kid on the other side and you tackle. Like one has to tackle and one has to run through the other. It's a very violent part of football. Okay. Um, but it's fun. Like for us kids, it's fun. Yeah. Until you had to go against Tyrell. And I was the big kid until Tyrell came around. And oh, Tyrell damn. was like the big kid. Tyrell was... I think, Huge. I feel like I'm thinking of a Disney movie, and you're like, yeah. you're like Aladdin, and then yeah. like someone bigger comes yeah. in, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. that. I mean, okay. he was big. Okay. And I remember kids used to just dive out of the way, like no one would want yeah, to get hit yeah, by yeah, Tyrell. Yeah, yeah. And it was my turn, and I did what everybody else did. I you dove out of the yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, the coach is like yelling and they're like, it's a joke. Like at this point, like everybody on the team knows yeah. the coaches know they're like, that is a big fucking kid. Yeah. 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 That's really funny. Dad pushes through. There's you know, there's a circle or whatever and they're all lined up. My dad pushes through the crowd of kids and the coaches grabs me by my face bags and drives me off. No. And all the coaches are like, they want to say something, but it's, this is back in the day where like you just stand back. You just yeah. stand back. Yeah. And he is screaming in my face and he's punching my chest. And he's like, if you don't hit this kid, I'm going to hit you. And you know what's going to happen. And he takes my helmet off and he's slapping me around. And before you know it, 
the I'm 11 13 it's 9 11 and um the 9 11 football team that coach has been watching like my father like ream me out and be like the overbearing I wasn't good at sports you're gonna be good at sports yeah 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 and he had enough and I don't know what I don't know why that day was particular to him to like step up and say something but he like s- snapped threw down his clipboard took off his whistle like I'm as I'm getting hit I'm watching this grown man about to beat the shit out of my dad whoa and this was the moment that like changed everything for me um this coach comes up puts his hat backwards fucking lays my dad out damn my dad gets up they start fighting and he's like I've watched you beat on this kid and I'm fucking sick of it if you want to hit somebody hit me that's a very important statement because the story I tell you at the end is you'll get it um and the it took the his coaches, the other kids, the other coaches, my kids, and the other dads, and me just sitting there to rip them apart. My father could no longer come to my little league practices anymore. Wow! And when he was at the games, he had to stay on the hill. Damn. Yeah. So my grandfather started taking me and coming to my games. That's a cool ass fucking coach. Yes. It it that that moment changed everything for me. How come? Because then when I was in middle school, bullying, like that's when like bullying was a thing. And I never got bullied because I I got bullied when I was younger. And then when I got into middle school and was playing football and started fighting back, no one fucked with me anymore. Yeah. Because you're also taking out the anger that you have at home or you, you, don't, you can't have a voice at home. Exactly. Yeah. So bullying was like, I hated it. Like I, it really upset me when yeah. I saw other kids get picked on and pushed in lockers and stuff like that. So I started fighting a lot. I started fighting other kids, defending the little kid because I like that, though. that was like, I watched you that man that. do that. Yeah. So once all that happened, middle school ends, um, I'm now in high school. Mm-hmm. I got selected to go to a private school in the city because it was a farming school for uh, college talent. Okay. Um, it's called Mount St. Joe, and I got kicked out for fighting. Oh, damn. Yeah. But it's literally what you grew up with. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I got kicked out for fighting and ended up having to go to North Carroll, which is now in Hampstead, Maryland, that whole outside of the, like next to the Mason-Dixon line, that whole place. Okay, okay. So this is the first time I'm in a situation where I'm being told that my race is less than, right? I'm in a biracial household. Interesting. I got a white mom. I got a black dad. Yeah. I'm in, Rice Town is like a, a melting pot of families, Mexican, black, white, whatever. Yeah. Um. So this is the first time that I was in a space where like, someone would see me and would call me the n-word or tell me i wasn't allowed to come in some place or whatever it's the very first wow. time i'd ever experienced Jesus anything like Christ. that okay and i remember this this whole transition from eighth grade into high school i wanted to grow my hair out and this is why i was saying that my father had chose like whiteness or whatever he didn't want that he was like he, people are going to say something if you have your hair that way and I had went through like a transformation in middle school where I was like, 
oh, I can start dictating what I want my life to be. Yeah, I don't have to listen to his fuck face. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I, I want it anyway. And I had already had like the majority, the young half of my life, I was in a black family. So there's no way he was going to tell me no. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go to my aunt's. She's going to do it. My grandmother's going to do whatever. So yeah, I, I started having my hair braided and then I wanted to get locks. I remember this very specifically. And he was so worried about me having it. And at this point, you know, he had gone through the whole really rehabilitation thing where um, he was no longer hitting my mother or beating me as much. Um, but I remember my aunt like just test braiding my hair to see what it looked like with long hair. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. And um, this was like an, this was the other big beating. He's picking me up from D.C. and we're driving back and he's like, now I'm letting you know people are going to say something about your hair. And he's like, it doesn't matter what they think. And I'm thinking like, that's the turn of it. He's going to let me be me and I'll just be fine. So I went to school and yeah, all the white kids had something to say about my hair. Yeah. Right. And I, but to me, I didn't care. Yeah. These were like, I knew where I had came from. I knew that like this town was such a small white town that, this was only going to be a young experience in my life and I could go on and move on with my life and yeah. it'd be fine. You're like, if I was in Trinidad, this would be sick as fuck. Exactly. And I'm going to stick to who I am. Right. And what my roots are. Yeah. So, you know, I come home and it's like, we started doing like family dinners or whatnot. And she, my, my mother asked me, she goes, uh, did anybody say anything about your hair? And I was like, yeah. And I said it just like that. And I was fine. Yeah. I wasn't upset. I wasn't crying. I wasn't like, oh, they made fun of me. I was like, yeah, it says stuff about my hair. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Father reaches across the table and fucking grabs me by my shirt and slams me up against the wall. No. And he's like, um, I told you they were going to say something about your hair. Why are you upset about it? Why did you even, oh if you don't God. want people saying anything, why did you even grow your hair? I was like, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I yeah. don't understand what this is. Why are you talking back? And Oh, my God. So I um. But that was him projecting being embarrassed that people said something about exactly. your hair. Exactly. Yeah. So that is what's so as I'm getting older and I'm seeing all this stuff. I will say, like, as a kid, I was very astute to understand, like, first adult problems and then understanding, like, what was actually happening mm -hmm. versus turning it on myself and being like um oh something's wrong with me or i keep fucking up and blah blah you. blah yeah. and i think that comes from the coach that stuck up for me mm -hmm. that came from you you know my adopted mom's mom uh just pointing out little things i would hear little comments like robert one day you're gonna hit him and he's gonna fight back small little things like that were just constantly being reinforced and slowly I wasn't like I didn't realize it but it was giving me confidence yeah. and I had like there was one Christmas I had asked for a gold uh, cross or a silver cross I wanted because like platinum and silver was big back then yeah. but like he wanted me to have gold because he wanted me to have gold and he got me a gold cross and um I accepted it because like I was a very grateful kid. Like I had a, an understanding of we went from a two bedroom apartment to a five bedroom house. Yeah. You understand? Like yes. 
my friends were able to come over and sleep in the basement. Yeah. We were able to stay up all night and play. Like I was able to live that life and I was able yeah. to see the transition. Yeah. So me getting a gold cross and it not being silver wasn't a big deal to me. So there was these little tidbits that were getting poured into me slowly. You had the coach, you had uh, my grandmother um, or my mom's mom who was slowly teaching me like, it's okay to have separate thoughts. It's okay to speak your mind. Yeah. You pick and you choose. And one of those things was this golden chain that I had gotten for Christmas. It's okay to say you don't like the gift. Yeah. It's okay to say like, this isn't what you asked for. Yeah. It's one thing to like get something and you didn't ask for it. And then you get it and you're grateful for it. Yeah. It's another thing to ask for something specifically when someone asks you. Yeah. And then they get you a variation of it because that's what they wanted for you versus what yeah. you wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what she was teaching me. So it was that. And then it was the comment of one day you're going to you underestimate him because right now is the peak of his strength. Yeah. He's young. How old are you? He's 18? fast. I was now 15 or I was 14, 15 when okay. this, this conversation yeah. happened. And I remember she was sitting in the back of the car and she was like, you, you need to watch out. And he was like, the day Rob raises his hand to me will be the last day he lives on earth. Whoa. And I remember in my mind, we'll see motherfucker. I rem like, I remember, wow. and I remember her giving me the look and watching my face change because at that point I was a competitor. Yeah. Like I was no longer a little insecure boy. Like I was a competitor. I was a all American football player. I was a track athlete. Like I had already accomplished these things. Yeah. Um. So to hear that, that was like the shift. I remember that being the final thing. Um. So this comes the the big day. This is the. I feel like this is the day that changed everything this was now my parents second split they they had split up the first time this is their second one and then there was one the third one which was their final um this was right around when the first crash happened in america so a lot of like people that got mortgages got that they got duped yeah where they were they got the the lower percentage and then the banks came back and were like oh we're reaching hard times, right. so now we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my father was gonna have to file bankruptcy, and we were gonna lose the house and everything. This is all backstory stuff that I didn't know, and um, my mother, being the addict that she was, was not a cooker. Okay. She just wasn't. She was into doing drugs and hanging out with her friends and smoking cigarettes. Okay. And she had a friend over. Kids were over. Um. She wasn't going to cook. She ordered us a pizza. And father comes home and he sees the pizza on the table and flips out. And I'm downstairs like playing video games or something like that. And um, he's like, why would you order this pizza? Blah, blah, blah. He's doing this in front of company, which he's never done okay. before. And so her friend leaves with her son or whatever. My brother and sister outside playing. And I remember him shouting this. He's yelling at them to get inside. This is a very like a weird approach to have one argument with one person yeah, on yeah, spending yeah. habits. Yeah. And it's not even a school night. 
and he's yelling at them to get inside. My sister comes in immediately. Now my brother, you know, he's lackadaisical. He's a kid. He's a yeah. kid being a kid. And he's like, any kid that doesn't listen to me isn't a kid of mine. Whoa. Okay. And there was this whole thing, conspiracy about like how my brother wasn't really my brother, that she had had an affair with somebody else. And because my brother had red hair, but my father has red hair when it was died and he would yeah. die. It was a whole thing. Okay. Anyway. So my brother finally comes inside and they're upstairs and I go upstairs in my room to turn my music up and I shut the door because I'm like, I'm feeling, you know, there's a shift that happens when you're raised in this environment where you go from being afraid to now you're angry. Yes, yes, yes. Because you're angry that you're afraid still. Like mm -hmm. you, like that's, that happens with anybody. You, it's the whole Star Wars adage, just like like uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Mm -hmm. That that was my life in a nutshell. Um, so my brother is showering, my sister's in the shower or bathing, one of the two, and they're down the stairs and they're fighting. And you know, in a big house, there's vents and the vents carry sound. So I'm my head's next to the sound, and he's like screaming in her face. And she's like, I don't understand why you're getting so angry. I'm sorry. Um, she's like, can you please back up? And he's like, no, I'm not going to back up. And they're going at it. And I go downstairs and I'm fucking ready. Whoa. And I'm like, if you guys got to fight, take it outside. And if you're going to hit somebody, hit me. Whoa. The Wait, the coach said. said. And he was like, get out of my house and I was like I'm not going anywhere if you guys are going to do this take it outside yeah so everybody can see you oh damn and he pushed me and he hit me with a two-piece and he had he had this ring one and um what's a two-piece like a one-two like oh. a combo sorry <laughs> um, sorry I wasn't beat and I blacked out Whoa. I saw the blood in my mouth and the scrape on my arm and like it, you blacked out in anger you yeah, didn't get yeah, go to the okay yeah, okay yeah, yeah. okay and uh i put him through the kitchen wall Whoa. like i was that like all of this had built up over years yes and um i didn't i wasn't throwing punches like he was like throwing punches to like get me to like sit down or like whatever and i just i snapped and i had like move the dining room table out of the way and move the chairs out of the way. And I fucking took my hands and put it around his throat and all, with all my weight and speed and energy charged at him. And it was the, there was the, um, dining room into the kitchen. There was a wall here. Okay. Yeah. And I shoved him right through it. Whoa. So there was head like a first? whole, yeah. Head, arms, everything. There was like a little concaved area. Like the, in Looney Tunes. You could, you could, yeah, you could see through. I was like that angry. So I'm look like I'm looking up at him because he's like kind of off. Like he's not off the ground, but like he's yeah. struggling. Yeah, like in Superman. And he's like seeing children's shows. Okay. He's like, Rob, you got to let me go. And I was like, you did this to me. Whoa. And my mom is screaming. And I was like, I'm I'm not letting you go. Like I, this is I you're dying. Like I'm going to do this. Whoa. So my hands are around his throat and I'm seeing like him like struggling to breathe. And now he, now he's not punching me because he's angry. He's punching me for his life. Yes. And for some reason that part of me 
felt so vindicated, felt so good. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's not like, um, I had all this anger and I was going to school and I was taking this out and I went to hurt other people. Mm -mm. This was directed at him. Mm -hmm. I knew where it came from. I knew what it meant. I knew what this moment meant. And it was like, in my mind, I was like, you sat on this for years doing this over and over. And you didn't think for the life of you that I would have the balls and this is what you're going to get. And I like would not let him go. So he's, like uh, drool and the whole thing. And I remember the, the more strength I was gaining, the more anger I got, the more powerful I felt over the situation. And I I'm saying this because like when you grow up in such an environment and you are, you're something that you're the, something gets ripped away from your innocence as a kid. Yeah. You're as a kid. Yeah. You're supposed to be weaker. But in your mind, you remember when you were a kid, you thought like you were invincible. Yeah. You could jump off stuff. You could fall to the ground and nothing would hurt you. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. That was taken away. Mm-hmm. I knew I could be hurt. I knew I could be punished. I knew I could like, you know, you have parents that you, you just spank on the bottom and like, you don't do that again. You don't yeah. want to get in trouble. It's the embarrassment factor. It's not a fear of like death yeah. or being permanently injured. That fear swelled so much that it became like this uncontrollable anger and all of that in that moment gave me really all of that power back that I felt like I had lost through my childhood. So he's gasping. He's now scratching and clawing. And my mom who was trying, like I remember her trying to pull me off and me like this has to stop and I'm going to do it. She called 911 and like just sat the phone down and like kept trying to get me off. And eventually, she was like, You have to stop. The cops are coming. Whoa. And I remember just thinking, like, All right, they're going to take care of him. And I had never like really put two and two together until later once I heard the tapes um, about what was actually happening. But I don't think she was calling the cops because of him. I think she was calling the cops in a panic of like, if I don't stop him from this, him murdering his father. Yeah, he's gonna go to jail. And it'll be the rest of his life. Yeah. So so you you had him, he was struggling, and she said, you have to stop, I call the cops? Yes. Okay. And that eventually was enough for me to like, decompress enough for her to get my hands away. Okay. And I remember her physically dragging me to the basement door and shutting and locking the basement door. Wow. And me like... I don't know if I went into a panic or a rage and was trying to kick the door down, but I remember hyperventilating and crying on the steps. Yes, 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 yes. And when the cops came, the like cop rip open the door and he's like checking. He's like, are you okay? You okay? And there was like blood on my arm and they're like, lock him up. About you? Father. Father. That's all it took was just them seeing. They saw his ring. They saw the blood on this ring. They saw the blood on my arm. They didn't ask any fucking questions. Wow. They just snatched him up and they were like, grab him. And uh, <clears throat> that was... She was also probably scared what he would do to you. No. Oh, she wasn't. I, when I tell you, like... Wow. It was that much yeah. of... So they took him. And I remember her... Remembering her not being able to speak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, like, out of fear of me or just, like, not realizing what all this had did. Mm-hmm. Like, all the years of this had yeah. did. Yeah. 
And I remember saying something like, I, I think I failed. Like, I think something about her failing or whatever. And I remember her like leaving to go someplace. And she's like, I need you to watch your brother and sister. And I was like, okay. And my sister was like, she was little, she was maybe like eight or nine. And I remember the moment that I had when he had choked her mm-hmm. and me like losing whatever that was, like remembering like, this is the thing that's going to affect me. Yeah. I remember seeing that same look on my sister's face and I fucking broke down, like Damn. cried like a lot. And uh, she came up and she like hugged me, was very calm and hugged me. And she's like, it's going to be okay. You you did what you had to do. Yeah. And I like, I apologize to her. I still like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Cause I remember like this affecting her. Yeah. And she was just like, it, this isn't your fault. Just she's only eight. So wow. it's like this moment, like was this. Yeah. Huge. Huge. And she understood. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of set her up for who she and the things she was going to have to deal with once I was out of the picture. Right. Um, so yeah, we moved to we moved back to Owings Mills, Registown area, um, in with my mother's family or whatever. Um, oh, so he was he just in jail? So he was locked up. He had a whole trial or whatever. He pled guilty. He got child abuse. Whoa. He had to go. Like it was. It's on his record. It's still on his record. Um, I didn't realize that because it's like he can't get a job. Because it's part of it. Like, it's like, you did this to a kid. And I didn't know about this for a long time. um, But he's, like, able to retire now. So I don't, I kind of don't give a fuck. Also, like, you fucking beat a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? My aunt said that to me. We had gotten an argument about something. And she's like, you're the reason your father can't get a job. I was like, no, he's the reason he can't get a job. I was a child. Yes. Yeah. And her point was like, yeah, you were a child. You shouldn't have been fighting your father. And that white woman put you up to it. But then you're like, no, but he beat me with a belt and I have a scar. What are you yeah. talking about? So there's this all this this different stuff that played a huge part. Um, so we moved in with, you know, my Mom's mother's family. family and stuff like that. And this is the other side of like, you know, I told you I had the duality of living with an addict and then living with someone who was abusive. Mm-hmm. Well, now the abuser has gone. Mm-hmm. But now this overall strength that I have, this fucking, oh, I can, I can breathe for a little bit mm-hmm. and I can like, now I'm the man of the family. Like I'm taking care of my brother and sister. Like this is what I have to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So now everything was like, I got to get a scholarship. I got to go to college. Like I have to do these things mm-hmm. because right now we're back to now we're living in a three bedroom house. My grandparents are in one room. My sister and mother are sharing a bed in a room. And now my brother and I are back to bunk beds. Damn. You get it? Yeah. So like that was enough for me to be like, we went from living in this two bedroom apartment, having a nice house to now back to this. Mm-hmm. I don't want my family to be this. Yeah. So that's what my entire strength of who I am has been like, take care of the ones around you. Don't do comedy. Don't look to be famous or anything like that for yourself because that never works out 
Yeah. When you're just doing it for yourself, it's it's uh it's toxic. You'll you'll mow over anybody to get what you want. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it became I'm leaving Baltimore and my friends and family to go build something to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Being funny was what I had to do to like get past all that stuff. And now it kind of feels like it's a tool to share with people. Yeah. But also like take care of the people that I care about. Damn, that's a journey. Yeah.